I had seen a couple of days ago, somebody had been sold a property and it was on a demo list and they would have never have known unless they would have pulled a title search. So I strongly suggest working with title companies and learning that side of the business. Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I want to invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference. Great way to earn money. And also, if you're planning on attending, great way to pay for your ticket, essentially. You get enough sales. So you can go to BEC20.com. And in the top left corner, it says earn 15% as an affiliate. You can click that, join the affiliate program, and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the Best Ever Conference in Keystone, Colorado. And we will be talking more about this on future episodes. But for now, go check out BEC20.com and that affiliate page. You can earn 15% as an affiliate, and we will see you in Keystone, Colorado. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Dustin Sayersdahl, how you doing, Dustin? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing pretty well too and looking forward to our conversation a little bit about Dustin. He's an active real estate investor in Ohio, Cincinnati specifically, specializing in retail flips and runs a rapidly growing wholesale operation. He's flipped multiple properties in his first year of investing and now wholesales over 10 properties per month with plans to double the volume this year. With that being said, Dustin, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, definitely. So kind of jumped head first in this business a couple of years ago, got into it through contracting, working on and doing flips for other investors and quickly realized I wanted to do my own thing. So I kind of went backwards and started in the flipping business first. Did that, kind of fell on my face a couple of times and learned the hard way and in between kind of learned how to wholesale in between flips to where I could actually eat. So, <laughs> you know, when you get in this business, you don't realize how hard it is to go three months or four months sometimes without a check. So I quickly, like I said, learned how to wholesale and has definitely been a blessing to me and my family since. Learned a lot of other really good things, kind of tried to plug myself into other people really big on networking and just getting to know other people in this business and learning the ins and outs and whatnot. And I'd say the networking has been a huge factor of my growth as well as just meeting and partnering and doing deals with a lot of other people. Kind of refocused everything at the beginning of this year, still flipped some houses, but have, like I said, shifted my focus to wholesaling, brought in some great partners and started a company called Cash for Ohio Houses. We started... I think full-time on that in late August, actually end of July. And since then, I think we closed out the year with 30-some wholesales nice. that we did in that amount of time. November being our biggest month, I think I closed out 13 in that month. And then going into this new year, we're just looking at kind of building out and systematizing everything to where we can keep up that consistency, not only for our own personal deal flow for our own deals, but to be able to work with other investors and people in the area. What transpired in the months leading up to November where November was the biggest month of 13 last year? Yeah. Trial and error with marketing, just kind of learning what worked, putting the systems in place. When we did that, it 
Now, obviously, we could tell we were doing that, but it was nice because it was kind of seamless because everything kind of rolled smoothly. And at that point in time, that's kind of when I realized I wanted to scale it. But it was just a lot of consistency, dedication, networking, just putting myself in it and knowing mm-hmm. this is what I wanted to do, I guess. <laughs> Anybody can get out there and do a deal. And it's not as hard. I think sometimes we just got to get out of our own way and realize that we can do this. What were some of the marketing aspects that were not working? I'm going to ask the the opposite question too, but first let's talk about what wasn't working. The stuff that was not working. You know, I've had actually good success with everything, but the direct mail was slowing down, the bandit signs, things like that. So we got into some other things that have really helped with the lead flow coming in, if that makes sense. Those things still work, but they take a lot of time to get to where you need them. It's not an overnight success. You can't just go out and put a sign and you can't just go out and send out a couple of postcards and expect for a return. It's a consistency thing on those. So I think that was in the very beginning, spending money on that stuff first, rather than utilizing some of the other lower cost and higher returning avenues. Which are? I do a lot with social media, Facebook, PPC, and some certain things like that. SMS is doing really well these days. So pulling lists, getting them skip trace, sending those out cold calls, stuff like that. They seem to be a little bit higher generating for us. And our PPC has been really good, like Facebook PPC. Okay. A wholesaler who's creating his or her company somewhere in a far, far away land from Cincinnati, so not competing with you, wants to set up SMS within their operations. What's the process for doing that? I guess it depends on budget because if you get into some of the systems out there, they can be several hundred dollars a month. I guess if I was to go back to last year when I was just kind of working by myself and on a very low budget. And I say low budget, I mean like I didn't have many money to spend on marketing. (laughs) (laughs) As long as you're clicking that button, I would say you can send out text messages. It's nothing for someone to pull a list of 500 to 1,000 people, have them skip trace, have a few hundred results come back and sit there for an afternoon and just send text messages until you generate that first deal. So I always encourage people to start on the low budget end when it comes to wholesaling and generate some deals before you spend that money. I think some people, they get excited, they did a deal and then they go spend all their money on marketing. Do what did the first deal first and get good at that and then spend the money on marketing to scale. I really like social media. I love getting on social media. I love networking and getting to know people. So, you know, when I first started a wholesaling a couple of years ago, I was going into the garage sale groups or local groups and I wasn't spamming my company. But what I would do is I'd just ask a simple one-line question. Is anyone looking to sell a fixer up or home with a question mark? And I was getting insane amount of responses come back because I was just going in and being me. I wasn't going in and saying, oh, I'm a cash for Ohio houses looking yeah. to buy a house. I was just going in and being real. So I always suggest that people just be real with people, get out there, get to know people and network, and you will find those deals, especially if you feel like you're in a market that you can't find them. They do exist. I did a lot of driving for dollars when I first started. I would skip trace those results and text or call the people. (laughs) I would call. And if I didn't get a call, then I would text them. And usually one of the two would get some type of response. That is helpful. So let's unpack that a little bit. Let's go with the SMS approach. You pull a list, you skip trace, and then you get the numbers, then you text message, and then you can just keep hitting send. Yeah. Where do you pull that list? And then what service do you use to skip trace? We've got a couple of them. So I've used about every driving for dollars app out there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, good. So which one's the best? I think for ease of access for people, like ease of use, Deal Machine is great the way it's laid out. I really like that one. Another one that I suggest, it's an app by Propelio. 
They have a driving for dollars app. Recently, I would guess for newer people, I find that their data is actually pretty good. They get their data from a company called Batch Skip Tracing out of Phoenix. Seems like pretty good quality data on that one. And if you were to just go out and find some addresses and send them out to Skip Tracing, Again, batch skip tracing, I think they'll do 50 skips. For Is that like, B- bat, like a B-A-T, a bat? Batch, B-A-T-C. Batch. Yes. Batch. Okay. batch skip tracing is the name of the company. Okay. And I think they're only 20 cents a skip. And we've got some other ones we use too. Theirs have been a pretty good turnaround for me personally. Okay. Some of the apps even now, like Deal Machine or Propelio, you can do single skips through them as well. So especially from a new person standpoint, if you're out driving and you're out there tagging houses and you find a house, you can instantly skip it in front of the house and then send a text immediately. That's a really good start, especially when you're 30, 40, 50 cents in per reach out. And then you've also got that data saved in your phone for that house to where you could personally handwrite a letter and send out if you're looking to save money or you could try cold calling it. There's several different angles. I think that per address, you could be all in for a buck or less. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's a good start, in my opinion, rather than paying for some type of service. And once you skip trace and send them a text message, now they responded and they've actually responded via a phone call back to you. How's that conversation go? For me, when I'm talking to them, like I said, again, I try to be a real person. I don't try to instantly, oh oh, man, I got a response. Let me send this script out to them that says we're such and such. We'd love to give you a fair cash offer. I I try a little bit different approach for myself. I try to get down to earth with them and just say, hey, I'm a local investor. I was driving to the area. I noticed this house was empty. Would you be interested in possibly selling it and just see where it goes? It's all about the approach. And I've learned over and over and over, we're problem solvers. So if you go in and you create a relationship with somebody and you help them solve a problem, there's a lot of times where you'll end up with a deal over somebody else that's just spammed somebody. Yep. And you said you've learned over and over that you're problem solvers. Any specific examples that has resonated with you or why that resonates with you? Yeah. So take it to the point to where you're on the phone with a person or they've realized that they do want to sell a house and then you've got to that point to where you have that conversation started. Take a second to listen. Ask them questions. Is there a reason why you need to sell? Is there something wrong with the house? And typically that will spur into some type of conversation that will lead to why they are selling the property and kind of help solve their problem. Don't just like, okay, great. You need to sell. How about Mm $20,000? Most of the time you're going to lose that deal. But if you take five minutes and you just listen to why they need to sell or the situation, typically you're going to hear something that could help the scenario. I love creative deals. So I will a lot of times listen in for the keyword of if I can't give them a cash offer, well, how can I help them solve this problem? Is this some type of creative deal that I could purchase on a land contract and relieve these people from their payments and acquire a property? Or could I refer it out to a realtor to help them list this house? How can we solve the problem and create an exit strategy or a solution for each deal? What's the most creative deal that you can think of that you've done? I would say it's probably on my flipping side. I picked up a couple of rentals in my first year. I ended up getting rid of those. I flipped my first house I ever flipped, and I didn't even realize I was kind of flipping it. (laughs) I picked it up because I had (laughs) poor credit at the time, and I got into a land contract of zero down. It was $500 a month. The lady gave it to me for 3% interest. 
and we ended up fixing this house up and selling it and made like 60 some thousand dollars and i had no idea what i was doing and i think that's what started a few years ago was that specific deal my first flip was on a land contract so it was kind of neat to learn that angle of the business early on and then i think you know one of my more recent ones it was a guy that had a house sitting it was in a small little rural town so it was hard to get some type of hard money lending on a flip for like this, but I was looking and noticing that the days on market were still really good. He was willing to actually transfer the deed to me, carry himself back as a mortgage holder. I got that deal at zero down, zero payments, 0% interest, and he paid closing costs. So yeah, I think that guy actually brought money to the table for us and I came to closing with zero. <laughs> so you can really leverage creative solutions to the better. And you don't know unless you don't ask on those situations. So if you can't give someone what they want out of a house or come to a, a lower agreement, sometimes you can give them a little bit more if they're willing to work with you on those situations. So again, it's just learning your numbers and knowing what type of situations you can do what. And at the beginning of our conversation, you said, and I quote, I fell on my face a couple times, end quote, when you're referring to flipping business first. So would love to hear some of those stories too. What's an example? What happened? Oh, let me see here. So I bought my first five unit building. When I first started, I flipped my first house, had a little bit of money in my pocket. I found an apartment building in Dayton. It was a five unit. I'm like, man, this, I can get into this for $5,000 down. Well, Dayton was your first state. <laughs> <laughs> I jumped on it. I was eager to pick up some rentals and some cash flow, And I jumped on it. I did the land contract. I bought it from a wholesaler, everything. A few months later, I realized the land contract was not recorded. And where does it have to be recorded? The county. <laughs> okay. Why? I was just told that it legally ties me to it okay. um, rather than just a piece of paper. This one ended up in a situation where the guy had did this to multiple people on different properties. Oh, you got bamboozled. Yeah. And the state actually went after the guy. Good. So it was a big mess, but you learn from those situations to make sure you're at least getting some type of title search and some type of recording with the county <laughs> so that, mm -hmm. you know, at least your bases are covered. So it was a learning mistake though. So I, I look back at things like that. What happened to that guy? They're still in court, actually. I guess the guy is in some type of federal court case. Oh. Yeah. Because I bought that place, you know, I put a few thousand dollars into each unit. Oh my God. So were four other people putting money into the units too, since he did it to other people? Not that place. It was other properties. <laughs> uh, about four different owners were all renovating well, the units. <laughs> well, nope. It was just me on that building, but there was other owners and other buildings. And it was funny because I actually caught on to it and I learned early on that I had seen something. It was because he had told me to go look at another property and I had seen another local newer investor looking at something. They had posted a picture on Facebook. I'm like, I know that property. So I actually messaged the owner. Hey, do you have somebody look at that property? It ended up spiraling into like a deep hole to where I started finding this stuff out. But it's again, very active on social media. So I kind of see everything, which I think that kind of saved me on that one. And I've lost money on flips in the very beginning and, and nothing crazy, just not doing the right things on certain projects or things like that. And, but I look back now and I look at those as I'll never do it again. Yep. And in this business, you can't say you can't make money unless you lose money, but you are going to lose money at some point in time. And you can't let that bring you down. And you got to treat those as learning curves and ways to make yourself better in this business. This is not an easy business. If you're looking for something fun 
and appealing and or sexy and or something off TV, you're in the wrong business. This is going to be one of the hardest things you do, but it's going to be one of the best things you do. So I guess that would be my only advice to somebody new is don't give up. Treat your mistakes and your learning curves as stepping stones to get to where you want to be. And when you think about some of those specific examples of things you'll never do again, clearly not have a recorded title when you do a land contract. So you'll want to make sure it's a recorded title when you do the land contract. But what are some other things that you learned that, hey, we'll never do that one again? <laughs> things like on my rehabs, just getting multiple bids in before I jump on something checking with your cities to make sure there's nothing against properties preventing you from doing something. There's several different instincts. I had seen a couple of days ago, somebody had been sold a property and it was on a demo list and they would have never have known unless they would have pulled a title search. So I strongly suggest working with title companies and learning that side of the business. Just little stuff. Just being smart. Ask questions. If you don't know it, ask somebody. Find those people within your community that are doing deals and or have done a similar situation and ask them. I know I am here to help. I've since started a Facebook group called Midwest REI Connect. And one of my biggest things is being there to help and lift others up and trying to be that person that can help answer questions. And if I can't answer it, putting them in touch with somebody else that will, because I know it is tough out there. (laughs) Based on your experience, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Don't give up. (laughs) Your success in this business is just around the next corner if you don't give up and network with others. The more you network in this business, the more you will succeed as well. Networking has brought me all of my private money. Networking has brought me all of my partners. Networking has brought me a lot of deals. Networking has put me on this chat with you today. So so good that, and bad. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to do stuff like this this year. I've been on a couple others and it's nice to be able to try to reach others and help. What was your low point as an entrepreneur when you were like, oh my gosh, seriously? Yeah. My low point hit more recent than last. Like I said, I made some money my first year. I lost some money my first year, but it was a learning challenge the entire time. I'd say a while back, it was in between a partnership with one of my flipping partners. And I was coming out of one and going into another. And again, I kind of lost sight of wholesaling again because I was so focused on the flipping. And when you're flipping houses, you can get behind really quickly on your personal bills. And I got to this point to where I was having a hard time keeping up. It was so hard that I'd call my wife and be like, you know, do we have money to grab some food tonight? She called me one afternoon and literally the repo man was sitting out front of our house honking our horn. And I could have given up at that point in time and thrown in the towel but I want this so bad because I know how much it can change my family's life. I know that even though we were at that low point that we were about to lose everything, I could have given up at that point and I could have went and got a job. But my wife said, no, keep going after this. We're going to do this together. And I kept pushing. And a couple of months later, I ended up in a great partnership for flipping and another great partnership for a wholesaling company. So at the end of that, good for you. Some of the biggest achievements I've made, and then going into just a few months later after that, like I said, late July, early August was when this wholesaling company really took off for us, and we started cranking deals out. So I wake up every day to leads now, <laughs> which is a blessing. 
it's better than the horn from the repo man. You know what it is, but if I would have went and got a job, I would not be sitting here talking to you. Right. We're all going to hit those lows, but you just got to keep moving. What happened with that when that repo man was honking outside? <laughs> so it's a funny story. My wife called me. She said, um, hey, the repo man is honking his horn and I'm laying on our bedroom floor. If you're son, what do I Dang, do? God. <laughs> That's one of those pivotal moments for me was mm. when you get that phone call and your wife tells you that, but yet she's still willing to stand behind you. Yeah. You you realize, man, I've really got to buckle down and make something happen. And that's, I think for some people is when they hit those moments and those lows that it really just shifts something inside of you that makes you launch forward. Did he eventually go away? Oh yeah. He went away (laughs) and um, I locked my car in the garage for the next week. (laughs) I am happy to say I still have my car. (laughs) I actually was able to get that caught up and it was just a couple of days later. I think I ended up getting a decent little wholesale deal. I was able to get caught up and then it got better from there. And times can be rough here and there, but overall you can bounce back from anything. And yeah. we didn't lose our cars. We didn't lose our house. We didn't lose anything. So we're still yeah. here. for <laughs> Thank you for sharing that story. Yeah. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. I have no idea what it is, but let's do it. Well, that makes it even more entertaining for everybody. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high-income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com. Okay, best ever deal you've done? It was my first flip. It was the land contract I did with zero down $500 a month. I had that house, ended up selling it with for a total profit of $67,000. What's the best ever way you like to give back to the community? I love doing community dinners. I love giving back to my church. Any way I can help out and feed the community. That's one of my biggest goals is to be able to do that. And how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? Find me on Facebook at Midwest REI Connect and you'll find me there. My name's Dustin Sayersdahl or you can reach me at Dustin at cashforohiohouses.com. Dustin, thank you for being on the show, talking about your journey as an entrepreneur, as a real estate investor, talking about specific lessons learned, for example, the land contract, making sure it's recorded, the experience that you had that you just talked about and that your wife had that you just talked about and how you two probably came closer together as a result of that type of experience. And then the very tactical lessons that you gave regarding reaching out to sellers via SMS, putting together the list, doing skip traces, doing text messages, and then listing out some of those resources for those who are interested in doing that. So thank you sincerely for being on the show, sharing so candidly. Hope you have a best ever day. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you as well. You have a great day. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high-income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show 
as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com. Best ever listeners, go to bec20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, bec20.com.